points uh, around the sanctuary. We were worshiping and we were praying right here uh, and just being in agreement uh, with those uh, all around our country, for our country. Uh, we're just trusting God and who he is, because that's all we can do, amen, in, in these times. Uh, so before we get started, so in the mornings, in the mornings uh, at our house, it's very peaceful. Okay, it's not. Okay, not ever. So we've got a lot of children, and getting a lot of children ready for church can sometimes be not peaceful. And so I made it a point this morning. I made it a point. I was like, you know what? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, I am going to keep my peace this morning. And so I was like, you know what? I'm even going to put headphones on. I put noise-canceling headphones on. I put those on. There were kids asking me a thousand questions. I don't know what they were asking. But I had worship music playing. And I was doing good. I was like, you know what? This is pretty easy. If all I have to do is put these headphones on, it would be great. And so I walk into the laundry room with Maggie May, our three-year-old, and she's following right beside me. She's talking, but I can't hear her. And I bend down to get my shoes. Well, in our laundry room, we've got this, like an office chair. It's a big, heavy office chair. It's got this metal kind of like rod around the outside. I bend down to get my shoe. She decides to take the chair and spin it right? And so the chair hits me square in the head, right? I go back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to keep my peace. I'm going to keep my peace. This is good. Turn the music up, two more levels. So now I'm walking around, you're like, you know what? I haven't seen Maggie in a while, and it's time to go. Well, we have a room in our house where there's a lot of toys. Well, Maggie happened to be in that room, and in that room happened to be some lip balm, Lip gloss. It's pink. It's smelly. Like strawberries. Like strawberries. And it is all over, Maggie May. From head to toe. And we have like, we need to leave and get in the car right now. So you know what? The funny thing is, is I didn't get upset. And it's not funny because you know what? I had to make a decision. I had to be intentional this morning and say, you know what? No matter the circumstance I'm going through. No matter the situation that gets presented to me, no matter what happens, if my car didn't start, no matter what it is, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk in peace. And I'll tell you, church, we have to be intentional about that. Because if you're not intentional and your prayer is like mine has been for many times, I just pray everything goes well. Right? I mean, how many of you prayed this before, right? I just, I just pray everything goes well, yeah? Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. And a lot of times, many times, seemingly all the time, not everything goes well. But you know what? If our prayer is, Lord, I trust in you. I stand on your word. I stand on your promises. He will see us through. He will take us through. And that peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. Amen? Let's stand up together. You know, we've been doing a call to worship. I want to do it out of Psalm 91 again. Because I just believe that this is the psalm for us right now. This is a time for our country, for our church, for our families. I'm going to read this together as we enter into worship on the count of three. Psalm 91. We're going to do verse 1 and 2. And you can see it starts with he. So 1, 2, 3. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. 
my God. In him I will trust. Amen. Let's worship him this morning, guys. As we were praying this morning, I had a different scripture I was going to use before communion, but Romans 2.4 came up. It says this, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's His goodness. What He did. What His Son did. What Jesus Christ did. To lay down His life for you and for me. To go to that cross. To bear our sins. To bear our burdens. To bear our sicknesses. It's that goodness. That goodness that leads us to repentance that says, when I look at that, when I see that cross, when I see that cross, I say, I can't do anything but to say, Lord, I'm sorry because you love me so much. Forgive me because I see what you've done for me. I see the love that you have for me. Your care for me. Your concern for me. When your word says you know every hair on my head, you know the count, the number of them. He loves you so much. He cares for you so much that He sent His Son. The goodness, the goodness, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. This morning we're going to take communion. And I just want you to focus on His goodness. I want you to focus on His goodness. His faithfulness. I want you when you take communion this morning to begin to remember things that He has done in your life. How He got you here. How He saved you. How He healed you. How He transformed you. A relationship that He has brought back to you. That He has restored completely. When we take communion this morning, I want you to remember the goodness of God. You say, well, I can't think of anything. Oh no, there's things. You're breathing. <laughs> you're here. You're breathing. You live in America. I may not, I know it doesn't seem that great right now, but you live in America, and it is great. And we do live in a great country, amen? And we will fight for our freedom, and we will vote our moral values, and we will do all these things. But the ultimate place of our residence is his kingdom. We are citizens of his kingdom. My zip code is his kingdom. Okay? The county that I live in is his kingdom. 
And it doesn't matter if I'm in 16415 or Erie County or the state of Pennsylvania or wherever we may be. We are part of his kingdom. We are his children. We are his sons and his daughters. And he loves us as a heavenly father can only love. When we take communion this morning, I want us to remember the goodness of God. And when we do that, those things that we need to repent from will just clearly come. We'll repent of those and we'll keep our eyes focused on the goodness and the faithfulness of him. Amen? Amen. I'm over here a little bit giddy because I woke up this morning and I mean the first conscious, the first thoughts that I've had, and I'm a slow go in the morning, I truly am, was the goodness of God. I kid you not. And I got in the shower and I blasted the song, Goodness of God. And it has been the theme from the time I opened my eyes this morning. Thank you, Lord. Because it is his goodness. It is his goodness that draws us in. You're breathing. You're walking. Look around. Look, Look to your left and your right. He has provided you with people. You are not alone. You're not alone. If you were alone before you came here this morning, you're not alone now. You don't have to leave alone because of the goodness of God. Some instructions. What we do is we're going to come to the table and you're going to receive your elements and you're going to circle back to your seats and hold on to them. And then we're going to partake of those elements together. There are two cups, so you only have to pick up one item. It's two cups. The bottom cup has the cracker. The top cup has the juice. So you just have like one grab. Um, And how we do that is the center aisle is one way toward the back. So if you are in the back half of these two sections, you are going to come to the center aisle, go back, take your elements, and circle back to your seats. Uh, The side sections in the front here, you're going to come one way down these side aisles, receive your elements, and circle back to your seats. And hold on to your communion. We'll partake together. And that way we'll, we'll get our elements. Okay. Come to the table. Lord. Thank you. Father, we worship you. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We remember. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just focus on the goodness of him. Just take a minute if you haven't done so already. His goodness and faithfulness. Just even as I'm thinking, it's so often that we see His goodness and faithfulness on the other side of a challenge, on the other side of a situation. Sometimes it's hard to see it when we're going through it. But we need to rely and trust in the word of God, knowing he is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And even if you feel this morning that you're at the bottom of that valley and you see no way out of it, he is with you. 
He is still faithful. He is still good. He still is concerned for you. And He is making a way. He is making a way where there is no other way. He is making a way. So focus on that goodness, that expectation that even if you're at the bottom, He is good. He is faithful. Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness and Your goodness. We just remember this morning how many things You've seen us through, walked us through, the trials, the challenges, the changes in our life, and how even now You're walking us through these times. You're walking us through these times. Leading and guiding. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, He took the bread. He had given thanks. He broke and He said, Take, eat. This is My body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. While you're all still seated. As, as we were taking communion, I felt the Lord just say, so much so up until this point, but even more in, in the time to come. So much so up until this point, but even more in the time to come. And Jason's testimony this morning of his conscious and, intention, conscious, conscious and intentional choice to keep his peace, to keep his ears fixed to the worship of of the one who is able of the of the only worthy one the mighty one to to endure his hardships this morning if we don't practice Amen. in the little things <laughs> right if you if you can't intentionally keep your peace surrounded by blessing and prosperity mm. and the ones you love most how will we keep our peace when we are persecuted Will we bless those who persecute us? Will we extend to them the mercy and grace of God? Will we share with them the gospel if they're kicking us and throwing stones at us and speaking lies about us? How will we do it if we do not practice that level of intentionality at home and at work? God is with us, and he will never leave us or forsake us, and it is only by the power of his spirit that we are able. We must practice his presence. We must practice the maturing of our faith. Um, yesterday during the prayer service that we had here, um, my head was throbbing, and um, 
And I, I left after a little while. I left and I went up to the Rose Center. And I had my Bible and I was sitting out on one of the picnic tables out on the patio. And I, I had the best cup of coffee I'd ever had. I felt a little bad for leaving the prayer service. And then I had this great cup of coffee. And, you know, I just felt blessed. And I sat and I watched these two squirrels. This is totally not the point. I watched these two squirrels chasing each other like crazy people. I mean, I was talking to them. I was like, you guys are nuts. No pun intended. And I just felt God's presence saying, I mean, I just felt his presence. I felt he was pleased in that moment. And I laid my head down on my Bible and I just prayed and I began reading in Luke and I was praying. And um, in the one, and I think it's chapter three, verse 20 or 18, it says his, the winnowing fan is in his hand. And it, it's John the Baptist, he's talking about Jesus and coming and taking in the harvest. And so I, I have my phone and I look up winnowing fan and I see the picture of a winnowing fan. And, and then I, um, I, I go on YouTube and this is how I get distracted reading Bible. This is why I don't have all my check marks on my Bible reading list. This is why. And I, I watch a video about threshing wheat by hand. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this. I think it's really instructive. I think it's really insightful to watch this and to, it, it gives so much understanding to the scriptures. So I watched this video and how they cut the wheat down and they put it in a bag. I mean, this is this video did this. They put it in a bag and they beat the wheat in the bag. They just beat it. And um, when they're done, they dump the contents of the bag in a bucket and in it is a bunch of just broken pieces of, of the, the stalk and the berries. Wheat berries, if you didn't know this, um, they're like these little hard berries and they have weight to them. And it's those that get ground up into flour, I think, right? So I'm watching how they do this, and, and they have these, um, these kind of sieves of varying thickness, and they do so many. They, they, they dump all that in there, and they shake it, and the wheat berries, because they're heavy, they fall through to the bottom. They dump out the mess, then they do it again. They dump out the chaff and the, and the junk that goes to be burned in the fire, the eternal fire, the word says, that the chaff is burned in eternal fire. They do this so many times. Then they have a bucket of, you think, oh, they're done. They have, the, they have the wheat berries. They have the harvest. We are the harvest. They have the harvest. They're not done because there's little bits of chaff that cling, that try to get in um, by sticking close to the berries. So then they take a fan. I don't know. I, I'm just, be, okay. They take a fan and they turn on the fan and they dump the berries out from one bucket to another and the fan they did it in slow motion on the video you should watch it and you can see all of the chaff wow. the little bits of dust and, and, and garbage being blown out as the heavy berries fall right down into the bucket but none of that yick makes it into the bucket none of it makes it into our flour and into our pancakes and the Lord spoke to me and said well he didn't speak audibly to me but he, he spoke to my heart and said the faith of my people must have weight and substance. That's good. This morning when I was praying, I said something to the effect of, Lord, let us be weighty berries. And that is wheat berries. We are the harvest. And we are coming into times of trial. We're in them. We're in them. And our faith must be weight with weight and substance. Intentional decisions for Jesus. Yes. Every moment. And when we miss it, 
like when we yell at our kids, instead of being kind and sweet and cleaning off the sticky pink from head to toe, when we shake them and say, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this? We're just, it's, we were just quick to repent. We're quick to go to the Father and say, oh, I totally messed that up. And you go to that person, be they three or 43 or 73, and you say, gosh, I messed that up. I should have been more loving and kind. It's quick and it's easy because it's all love. But the word of the Lord this morning is practice your faith. Walk your faith. If you don't know him, look to the person who brought you, who you came with today and say, I need to know him. I need to start this walk. And he'll grow you with such goodness with such love and mercy. If you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, say, Lord, grow me, grow me. Is it in mercy? Do I need more mercy? Do I need love? Father, do I, we all need to grow in love. There's no end to the love That's walk. Right. There's no end. That's right. <clears throat> in the days that are to come, we will be tested and our God is victorious. Amen. And we will, we will hide ourselves in him. And we will walk in victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's one more thing. Hold on. What is it, Lord? Oh, I said to Jason, uh, yesterday after I watched that video, I said, it's interesting. You know, when I was looking for his insight, I was like, explain this to me. I said, when the wheat is harvested, it's put in the bag and they're pounding on it. I said, and the berries get pounded on as much as the chaff. <laughs> I mean, it was just an observation that I had made. The berries, what, what was of value in the harvest, was not spared the threshing. It was in the threshing that their value was revealed, That's right. that their weight was revealed, that they made it from the top bucket to the bottom bucket without being blown away. So um, he said, well, that's not an encouraging word. <laughs> it is an encouraging word. It is, truly. It's an encouraging word because it's truth. It's truth. The Christian walk is not a walk free from trials or tribulation or pain or suffering. We are blessed in it because we are, we are glorified in him. He receives all the glory. Amen. And we become useful for the harvest. Amen. We become of great value to the kingdom. Let all glory be to the Lord. Let's worship this morning. Come, come to him, come to his throne, and just glorify him and magnify him because he is worthy. Amen. Amen. Stand with me and let's worship together. It's good to be in his presence. 
his presence, truly surrounded by his glory, fear can't stay. Sickness has to go. You say, well, how, how do you know that? <laughs> Tell you what, some days I walk into church with aches and pains in my body, in my shoulder, in my hip, from whatever, playing sports for many years, from my head. I'll tell you what, when I walk in and I'm in God's presence, I honestly, those are gone. I don't even, it's like they're not even there anymore. They're just completely gone. And he wants that for us all the time, and it's, sometimes it's a challenge, yeah? <laughs> to keep that healing all the time. But we're in his presence. It changes everything. Changes everything. I've never heard that song before. We've never sang it before. And um, I think about my kids and how when they come at me, there's a difference when your kids come at you and when they come to you. Sometimes I, in my home, they come at me and it's like a revolving door and they just want, they want, they need, they need, they want, they want, they need, they need. I know Max is raising his hand. I'm like, I do that. This confession is good for the soul, little man. And it's not, it doesn't always turn out well for them. It doesn't always turn out well for me. Um, but when they come and I just say, what do you need? I'm, okay. I'll use, um, I'll use Ruby. What do you need, baby girl? Nothing. I just want to cuddle. Oh, oh, now tell me what you want. Because I'll give you anything. I'll give you anything that's good for you right now. Want a little ice cream? I could have some too. When, when they come and find me just for me, just to be with me, it's everything. It's everything. But what the Lord really showed me is we are so used to, and I'll tell you, this happens in my house more often than, than this, that last scenario. So often it's just like, honey, go play. Go play. What, do you, what are you doing? What do you need? You need a cheese stick? Okay, here you go. Go play. Go play outside. And especially if they're being a little, uh, you know, they're being real troublesome, it's, it's like, gosh, will you just stop? Here, do this. Try this. Color a picture for daddy, you know? And I think so often God gets this bad rap. We try to humanize him. You know, and yes, he, but he is this loving heavenly father, but he's, he doesn't ever tire of us. He doesn't ever just try to get us to shut up. Please just put this lollipop in your mouth and stop asking me questions. He doesn't do that. He doesn't ever even come close to feeling that way about us. He doesn't tire of us. We are not a problem for him. You are not a problem for God. He wants you. If no one ever wanted you in your life before, he wants you and he has always wanted you. If your dad rejected you, if he beat you, if he said words to you that are unspeakable things, know that your heavenly father wants you, loves you, is drawing you to him. You are wanted in your weakness, in your mess, in your filth and your dirt, in your sin, he loves you. 
And he calls you to him because in his presence is fullness of joy. And it is his joy that is our strength. And he, he will fill you with love on the inside. He works from the inside out. So often church folk work themselves from the outside in. And it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy because you're not fooling your father in heaven. You're actually making the process take longer. Yeah? So I encourage you today, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, if you haven't made him your Lord and your Savior, today is the day of salvation. This is the moment to say, Jesus, I need saved. And if you want me, if this word is true and you really want me so much that you died, that you shed your blood so that I could be clean, if that's true, sign me up, I want in. And then you come and you lay down, you lay down everything. We like to try to make it easy in church, like, oh, all you have to do is. We had a conversation once. I was like, that is false advertising. All you have to do is call upon the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Yeah, all you have to do is lay down everything. All you have to do is surrender everything, your whole life, your whole life. And say, Jesus, you be Lord. You make the decisions. You lead, I'll walk. Because me leading is not working. Me driving this this train, I, I make all the wrong stops because they feel good. Because they dull the pain for a minute. Because it's fun, feels fun. But it's led to nothing but death and destruction and drama and tears and pain. So Jesus, if this is true, and let me just tell you, it's true. He loved you so much. He loves you so much right here and now in your sin and in your mess that he died on the cross and shed his blood that we could know the Father, that we can be in his presence, that we can climb up in his presence and just be. And he begins to lead. He begins to work. And we begin to walk. Then we begin to run. And I'll tell you, people who were lost in drugs and alcohol and sex and and death of the world, they turn around and they they become the most powerful testimonies of what? Of God's goodness, of his love. He is a redeemer. He glories in redemption. He glories in taking the things that that the world throws away, that the world calls garbage. He will take them and make them into the most precious stone, the most precious and valuable thing of the kingdom of God. This is what he delights to do because he is love and he is goodness. Today is the day of salvation. Well, guys, I don't want to let this opportunity pass. If you all just want to bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes. If this word that you just heard is speaking directly to you, 
and saying, today is the day I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I don't want to go any further anymore on my own in this life. I need God. I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, I just want you to slip your hand up. Just put your hand up this morning. I'll see your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Thank you, Father. Okay, I don't see any hands this morning. If I miss one, let me know. Oh, I got no alley bells there, baby. You raising your hand? More of Jesus in your life? Amen. You never prayed the prayer yet, officially? Not with me. All right. Come, come up here, girl. Come on. Amen. Give her a hand as she comes up. All right. You haven't done much driving of your own train yet at five years old. You want to pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Yeah? He's going to lead you, and you're going to walk with him. And even when you want to do things your way, you're going to remember that he loves you, that you trust him, and you're going to surrender everything to Jesus, and he's going to make something beautiful out of your life. Okay? All right, let's pray. You ready to pray? All right. Say, dear Father in heaven. Dear Father in heaven. I trust in your word. I trust in my word. I trust in your word. I trust in my word. You're so sweet. Say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I know that he died. To cover and cleanse my sin. To cover and cleanse my sin. And I give my whole life to Jesus. And I give my whole life to Jesus. I will love him. I will love him. I will obey him. I will obey him. And I will trust him with my whole life. And I will trust him with my whole life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For being my Savior. For being my Savior. And my Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is my daughter, in case some of you don't know that. Okay, well, that is just a wonderful blessing for us this morning. God is so good. And you think, well, what sin does a five-year-old have? Talk to me after church. I'll let you know. And that's the thing about sin. It's not always so overt on the outside. Praise God. Praise you know, we God. Don't, we don't ever force our children no, we don't. to make a decision. We don't, um, oh my gosh, Jason, stop. We don't subtly put pressure on them to be baptized or to speak in tongues or we don't because we trust that the Lord is working in them for their timing. So we don't try to kind of create these moments for a conversion experience we don't we don't want to construct something because we trust that the lord they are dedicated to the lord truly from the moment they're conceived and then the moment they're born and we trust him in it so when these moments happen in our home they are um, a confirmation of his goodness 
and that he is trustworthy with our children Amen. and their eternal Amen. lives. Amen. So, thank this you, morning Jesus. at breakfast, this little one right here looked at me and she said, Daddy, someday I'm going to be a preacher. Well, I'll tell you what, she took a pretty good first step this morning at being able to go do that. And I'm proud of you, babe. I'm proud of you, babe. Okay, give him some instructions. All right, as we go into greeting time, um, we have Kid Corner, which will be open. Kids, if you're a regular attender, you know your bag, you know the color, you can run on over and grab it. Don't forget to get your sermon notes where you can pay attention to what Pastor Jason is preaching on today, and you can write little notes or draw pictures. Um, Those go home with you. If you're a guest, we do have bags um, for your children, toddler through sixth grade. Um, The items in the bag are free use during the sermon time, and then get packed up, and um, the bags can be taken back over. Um, And then we also have sermon notes where your child can write notes and draw pictures, and that goes home with them. We also have book borrow, which, parents, I encourage you, if you're interested in good Christian literature for your kids, from little ones, you know, all the way up, I don't know, probably through sixth, seventh grade, come early or stay late and check out some of those books over there. With Christmas coming up, Book Borrow came about because I have a lot of kids and you can't go to the library and find really excellent um, biblically sound kind of like theology books for little ones. And there's some beautiful books over there and you'll have a chance to preview them because um, Christian books are very personal uh, and not one, the book I love, you may not love. So I encourage you take a look at those books because perhaps you want some of them in your home. Um, so that's Kid Corner. We'll also have offering buckets up here on the steps. So if you have an offering this morning, your tithes, your offering, um, you can go ahead and bring those up during the greeting time. We, we do not pass buckets um, because of things that will not be named. Um, so greet one another, uh, fellowship together, encourage one another in the Lord this morning, and then we'll come back together for the word. All right, church family, let's start moving back to our seats so that we can, we can uh, continue to worship the Lord in our giving and in the ministry of the word. I'm excited for um, Pastor Jason and the message he's bringing this morning. Um, it's been a really interesting um, series that he's been doing on the end times. Um, so I love that he started at the end and he starts with the hope. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and the hope. Anyway, I'm here for announcements, not for preaching. So um, first announcement, and I always feel really bad, just so you know. I feel bad like breaking you guys up. I love the time that we spend fellowshipping with one another because especially in these days, it's so important. It's not enough to just go in a closet with your Bible and it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. If that was what he wanted, then Jesus would have modeled that. It's good to go away into the secret place, but he had 12. And from those 12, he had three. I have three. Well, not including Jason. Well, including Jason. I have a couple of friends, man, and they will never let me go. They'll tell me the truth. And that, those relationships are, they're built and they're intentionally kept. Um, and they take time and effort and forgiveness and love and truth and honesty. So all that is to say, I love the extended time of greeting that we have. When we first started greeting, like the greeting time, seriously, it would be like 30 seconds and everyone would be sitting in quiet. 
and now we've extended. Last week, Sydney told me it was 17 minutes. Uh, and she suggested, is, is, that, is, that, is that too long? And I was like, I don't know. I just think it's fantastic. Um, so it does extend our service time a little bit, but I say it's well worth it. So I always feel bad because I'm the one who has to, like, bring everyone back to their seats like the mama. Okay, small groups. We have a new group starting. Uh, Chet and Jane Carter are opening up their home, um, and they are on the first and third Tuesday at 7 p.m. If you are interested in joining a small group, there's the list of them. They are also listed on our website. You can email for specific locations, info at ecfchurch.org, info at ecfchurch.org, info at ecfchurch.org, three times. Um, You don't have to email three times. Um, But if you're interested in a small group, that is extended fellowship. So if you've enjoyed meeting people here on Sunday morning and you've enjoyed your conversation, it is vital to walk in fellowship with one another and accountability with one another and the encouragement with one another. So I I encourage you to um, get information on our small groups and join a group or try a group out. Um, And I encourage you to do that. Next, we have voter guides available on the back table. God bless us and keep us during this time. This is an important time. Um, For me, it's an annoying time. I mean, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to vote. Do we have to talk about it every second of the day? Do we have to fight about it? No, we don't. Um, There is a voter guide back there. It is nonpartisan and impartial. We, Jason and I work hard to make sure that, um, that we do that. I I want it to be understood that these questions, it is put out by the family, family council, Pennsylvania family council, protect the family, preserve the future. So it is a series of questions that they ask equally to all candidates. And then the candidates have the option whether to answer or not. And it simply gives you their answers. It's just information for you to process, for you to pray over, for you to read, um, and for you to walk through. Um, as we prayerfully go to the polls this year. So um, those are available on the back table. I encourage you to get that. And I encourage you to pray, 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 pray for your neighbors, pray for this nation, and um, pray as you vote because it's so important. Okay, finally, first-time guests, so happy to have you this morning, so happy to come into God's presence together and to have you with us as we worship. Um, We welcome you. If you um, would like to just connect in, um, you can send an email to info at ecfchurch.org and just say hi. Like, hey, my name is Susie. I was at your service. Happy to be there. Um, that gives us your contact info and lets us know that you are here. You do not have to do that, but that's an option for you. If you have prayer requests, praise reports, testimonies, we um, is our pleasure, it's our honor to pray and to pray out these prayer requests. Um, and we love those testimonies and the praise reports that give glory to God. Those go to prayer at ecfchurch.org. And that's what I have. Uh, a couple things to, to note on those voter guides. Uh, actually, they ask a lot of questions, which is good uh, to get an idea of where it is. It's, it's not just national, but it's state and local <clears throat> are in there. So our local races, uh, a couple of the local races are in there. Not every local race is in there, but there are some uh, local races in there as well. So again, I encourage you uh, to pick those up. And we just had a great time praying yesterday. I'm having a good weekend. Anybody notice I'm having a good weekend? <clears throat> Amen. Amen. I'm so happy, uh, obviously, man. I'm just so blessed. And I, I had this sense, and I'm just going to say this again. Uh, I had this sense this morning that someone was going to give their life to Jesus today. 
And I didn't know it was going to be my own daughter, which was amazing. But I'm not sure that that's the only one. Okay? I'm not sure that was the only one. And you'll have an opportunity at the end of church. I will be up here. I will be ready to pray with you. If you're just like, man, I feel like I missed an opportunity. I feel like they were talking to me, but I didn't have the guts to get up or put my hand up. That's okay. It's not over. Your chances didn't just disappear and that's it. You still have a chance. I'd encourage you to come see me right here after church, right here at this altar. We will pray with you. We will get you going in that right direction. Amen? Amen. Okay, how are we doing on our Bible reading plans? People doing pretty good on our Bible reading plans, walking through the Bible, uh, walking through the New Testament here in September, October, and November. Uh, I want you guys to keep up with that. How well are you guys doing when you say the word mask, COVID, Trump, or Biden? And election, we added a fifth one. How are you guys, whenever you say that, remember the rule is whenever you say any of those words, you have to speak a scripture out loud or a promise of God. And I can tell you to begin to change your life. It's amazing how often we say these other things and we say these other words, but it's amazing what begins to happen when we begin to say the word of God. We begin to speak and confess the promises of God over our lives and over our situations. And I'll tell you what, that challenge remains and my kids are still holding me accountable. They are just, they're, again, they're still trying to trick me with things. They're still trying to trick me. They're just like, oh, what was it this time? I can't remember what it was. Oh, they said something about, oh, look at that person over there. Like, uh, I wonder who they're going to vote for. Hey, Dad, what, who are the two candidates again? I'm like, you are trying to get me to say the candidate's name so that I start giving promises. And you know what? They've been catching me, and I've been catching them, and they've been catching each other. So I think Eva was having, I don't know if Ruby or Jairus or somebody had to say something because they said one of those words. So they're not like curse words, okay? But they are words that if we say those, I'd encourage you, man, say the word of God. Speak the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about offering real quick, and we'll pray, and we'll get into the word of God this morning. Uh, Luke 19, verse 10. I just want to read this. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And, you know, I, I, this scripture, as I look at it, as I, as I just begin to meditate on it, you know, God will entrust us with more when we are faithful with what he's already given us. And I know sometimes that's hard for us to understand, and we look at people who are, you know, maybe they have a lot of money or a lot of wealth or this or that, but I can tell you that there are many people that I know who are wealthy, who are Christians, and they are some of the most generous givers I have ever met in my life. They are some of the most generous people I have ever met. And the Lord entrusts to us, he entrusts us with finances so that we are stewards of it. We're not taking any of it with us anyway, amen? We are just, he's asking us to be stewards. And when we're faithful in doing the small things, which, you know, tithe is one of those things that he's asking us to go do, the 10% tithe. When we are faithful in doing that, he continues to show himself faithful and to honor his word and to bless it, amen? Amen. So let's pray over the offering and the message today. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are so good. That the goodness, your goodness, leads us to repentance. Father, we trust in you. We trust in you with our finances. Father, we just ask and believe and pray that this building will be paid off. 
that every person's home in here will be paid off in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you are moving and working in our midst. And Father, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working, Lord. And I thank you that you are with us and for us. And Father, this message that you have for us this morning, Father, I pray that I'll be able to articulate it by your Holy Spirit, that it'll penetrate hearts, it'll bring clarity and bring change in each and every one of our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let me tell you some, let me tell you some good news to start. Amen. You want to hear some good news? Well, I got a testimony. I got a testimony at the break. Um, we, I was talking to somebody, and she had gone to the doctor, and they found a, like a cyst or like a, uh, a growth uh, in her lung area. And you know what? And they were just like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Here's that. And she's just praying and believing and standing on the word of God and saying, you know what? I am, I am healed. God has healed me, and I'm standing on this word of God. I know she's a woman of faith. God has healed her multiple times. And she went back to the doctor, and they took a scan again. And guess what? Gone. Completely, totally gone. So thank you for sharing that testimony. You know, I got my testimony list. I, I, get to, I add to those testimonies. That's another one to add to. God is a healing God. He's a miracle-working God. Amen? Amen. All right, so pull out your timelines. As Liz already mentioned, we're doing a, a series on the end times. And my goal each week, my goal each week is to talk a little bit about the end times timeline, maybe about half the amount of time I talk, and then I want to take about a time and just give some hope, and just give some hope of, of who he is, what he's done, the promises, amen, that we can stand on, even when we are faced with difficult situations. And I want to keep reiterating, you know what, this series that we're doing, this series that we're doing, my goal is that you understand what's coming, that you just begin to understand what's coming, and that you walk away every week with some practical things that you can do, things that you can change, things that you can meditate on. And at the, at the very, as we go through from the back to the front of this thing, so we started all the way in the back at eternity, and we're walking our way forward to present day, uh, uh, present day isn't necessarily on this timeline. It's kind of off to the left a little bit. But as we get there and as we begin to get through this series, what I want to do is if we know this is happening or coming, what does the church look like? What does ECF begin to look like? And I want to begin then to cast some vision for the future of this church. And I want to do that through October and November, and I don't know how all the timing will work out, uh, we've got the election season coming up, too, as well as, you know, we've already talked about. But my goal is to walk through this timeline, but then say, if this is what's coming, then what should we be doing as a church? And I would begin to cast some vision over our church and what does it look like so that when we're making decisions and we're saying, well, we haven't reopened kids' ministry yet, why not? You'll be able to answer that. Why are they talking about paying off the debt so much? You'll be able to answer that. And all the decisions that we have made or haven't made, or you're wondering why it's happening or not happening, you'll be able to understand more clearly as we walk through what the vision of the church looks like moving forward, knowing the season that the church is in. Amen? Does that make sense? So you have to keep coming back to hear all that stuff as we go through. But again, we're just walking back through. So, okay, on your timeline, just a quick summary. From the right-hand side, we talked about eternity a couple weeks back, what that looks like. Praise God, we are with him forever. He makes all things new. Amen? All things will be made new. 
all things, the things that were lost and stolen and the heartbreaks that you had, all these things, he makes them, restores every single one of them and makes them new. And it's going to be a glorious time in heaven. We're not just going to be sitting on the clouds playing harps, okay? You have to go back and listen to that message if you want to know more about eternity and what that looks like. It's not just harp playing in the clouds, okay? And then we talked about the thousand-year reign on earth. And what does that look like? What Do we have jobs? Do we, what do we do? What about our talents? What about our giftings? And, and Christ is reigning on this earth for a thousand years, and we are reigning and ruling with him. And what does that look like? And that was exciting. And then we talked about the day of the Lord two weeks ago. Not quite as exciting we talked about some of the judgments that were coming out, some of the, the wrath of God, uh, the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments that were going to come out. And we talked about Armageddon. And we talked about, you know what, we are not going to be here for that pouring out of the wrath of God, which leads us into today's message, which talks about the rapture. Everyone was wondering, when is Pastor Jason going to get to the rapture and tell me when I can get out of here and all this stuff gets to end, okay? Well, today I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you uh, a couple different viewpoints of what's out there. I'm going to tell you where, what I believe, actually, well, the timeline shows what I believe, so I guess it's not that hard uh, to figure out where I'm at uh, from a theological perspective. But I want to walk through that. And, but before I do, I want to talk about something real quick. Uh, I want to talk about something, because number one, the rapture and what it is, it's important. It's important to know what to expect and when to expect it because when we know and we believe where it is, it changes our actions. It changes our behavior. It changes how we perceive the things that are happening in front of us. Why do I think that the rapture is important? One, because it's a message of hope. The rapture is actually a message of hope. And you know, I believe wholeheartedly that when Jesus comes back to take his church off this earth, he's not coming back to take a limp, dying, and weak church off this earth. Come on, can I get an amen for that? That is not what he is planning on. He is not going to come down and the church is going to be, oh, it's going to be in ruins. No one's going to be following him. They're going to have no power. No, I actually think the absolute opposite is going to begin to happen. The true church will begin to rise up. He, we will, be, he will give us supernatural protection and miracles and he will see us through turbulent times. He will see us through these things and it will be a time where we rise up and people look and say, how is that happening? Because let me tell you why. And we begin to share the gospel message. We begin to share what's going on in our lives. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Does that mean you won't have any challenges in this time? No. But I do believe that there is going to be a sifting of the church. There is, I mean, the Bible talks, we're going to look at those scriptures in what he is doing and what he is working on. But I do believe he's coming back for a bride. And the bride is his church and we are going to be ready and we are going to be operating as he intends us to operate. Amen? And we're going to talk about that this one. That's going to be the second half uh, of my message. So open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 15. And go in verse 50. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. And then my goal is to give you a little bit of high-level stuff. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to do some teaching. Then I'm going to get my preach on at the end. Amen? Does that clock really say 11.45, or is that joking? I never pay attention to the clock. I was just a little shocked by that number there. Okay, 
We just got done with an ice break. Everybody moved around. We had 17 minutes, give or take, a little bit to walk around, so we're good to go. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Ready? It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall we brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. This is why this is a great message, because it's a message of victory. It's a message of victory, of being with Jesus. From then on, when the rapture comes, from then on, for all eternity, we are with him. I'm looking forward to it. We pray Maranatha, which is come, Lord Jesus, come, right? I mean, this is a prayer of our hearts that we're asking Jesus to come. Oh, death, verse 50, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Question mark, question mark. (laughs) Question mark, question mark. 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57. Look at this. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's what we already talked about this morning. The victory. This rapture happens to those who are written in the book of life. You need to make a decision while you are on this earth about will you follow Jesus Christ and make him your Lord and Savior. It's a decision that every person needs to make. A decision that every person has to make in their lifetime. That's why we want to give opportunities at church, why we want to encourage you to share the gospel message with others. 1 Thessalonians 4. Turn with me there. Starting in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. I believe it would be on the screen behind me as well. But I, this is Paul talking to the church, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. We cannot be ignorant of what's happening, of what's going on. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, for if... We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring to him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have passed away previously, who have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. This picture of the rapture happening is also called the second resurrection, where the dead in Christ will rise up as well. The Bible talks about that and shows that pretty clearly. Verse 15. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will will rise first, verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be 
with the Lord. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. These challenges, these trials, these troubles, these things will begin. They will, they will vanish that day when he comes. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So actually what Paul is teaching us is, yes, the rapture is coming. We're going to talk about where we see it, it reside on this timeline. But we got to comfort one another with this word. We have to comfort each other saying, you know what? It's going to be okay. God is working. God is moving. We can rely on his promises. They don't become null and void in the end times in the last days. No, we can stand on this word of God as much so as we move forward in the end times as we could a thousand years ago. You understand that? The promises of his word remain. The things we can stand on remain. Amen? So some key passages that we can, or key points that we can come out of these two passages is one, number one is God's going to take us to be with him. Amen? When Jesus comes back. We must believe that Jesus died and rose again and we're going to be with the Lord forever. Praise God. So I want to give you a little bit of a high-level here overview of the different views of what I'll call the millennial, okay? I just want to give you a couple of views on there, on your uh, timeline. I know it's back this way. It says a 1,000 years over here. It's important to note, and I want to just talk about these briefly, because they link in with the rapture, and they link into this tribulation and when these things happen. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is something called preterism. And this means that many of the things of the fulfillment, I don't have it up on the screen, many of the things that uh, we believe will happen in, in the future have already happened in the past. There's, there's a doctrine out there that, that believes that in 70 AD, a lot of the things that have happened, some of the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, the temple, a lot of Daniel's 70th week has already occurred. And that's, that's a thought process out there that people uh, kind of adhere to or talk about. And they believe that the, a lot of this Bible prophecy has already been fulfilled with Christ and his ongoing expansion of, of the eternal kingdom. I don't subscribe uh, to that belief, but I just want you guys to know that it's out there. There's also two things called amillennialism and postmillennialism. Amillennialism and postmillennialism. I want to tell you briefly about those two. Amillennialism means that there is no millennial, that there is no actual thousand year reign on this earth by Christ. Uh, and basically, what they're saying is that we're in this time period now, that the thousand years can't be defined by a thousand years because the Bible says things at a high level and we don't exactly know when all these things are going to happen, but that we're in this millennial type reign now. And that at the very end of this time, that Jesus will come back and then we'll go into all of eternity. So they believe like this, the rapture then is at the very end of all this. And that Jesus comes back and then we move into eternity. And then post-millennialism means this, that there's the progress of the gospel and the church growth begins to happen. And more and more and more of the world becomes Christians. And then we, as the church bring this peace to earth, we bring this, uh, this opportunity to have a millennial reign on the earth. Peace on earth is called post-millennialism. And then there's a thousand-year reign that we are having as the church without Christ being on the earth. I don't ascribe to that either. I don't believe that uh, it's... I mean, I can understand how they come to some of those conclusions. I just don't believe that that's what the Bible is telling us. 
So what your timeline shows, and what, we, what I believe, you know, as, as uh, I've studied that, is something called premillennialism. It's premillennialism. We believe in Christ's second coming will happen prior to his literal millennial reign on this earth, that it's linked, these thousand years are linked to him coming back to the day of the Lord, which we talked about uh, last time, and that, that we, from a Daniel perspective, that this Daniel 70th week, which you can see on your timeline, these last seven years have yet to start. They have yet to start. 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy have happened. We are now in what we'll call the church age, waiting for the last week, waiting for the 70th week to start, which I believe the Bible makes clear is the last seven years before Jesus comes back. And it says we don't know the exact time or hour. I get that. So we don't know exactly when within that timeline, and we talked about that. So let me talk about, real quick, the rapture teachings. There are four different rapture teachings theologies that are out there. They are pre-tribulation. They are mid-tribulation. They are pre-wrath. And they are post-tribulation. I'll give you a quick overview of the four of them. Pre-tribulation. What they believe, they, I'm already pointing, you guys know where I'm at already, but that's okay. Pre-tribulation means that the rapture can take place at any point. At any point. Meaning, this afternoon. I'm serious. They, at any point that the rapture kicks off the last seven years, which they believe is the day of the Lord, that last 70th week, and they believe that it's imminent, meaning it can happen at any point in time. I believe scripturally it does not, the, the Bible does not show us that. I'm going to teach you that here in just a, just a few minutes. But they believe that just before this seven-year period that happens on your timeline, that the rapture happens, bam, right there, pre-trib. I'll say a couple things. One, this is a very recent theological stance. I mean, I'm talking like the 1800s. None of the early church fathers, the Bible I don't believe says it either, but none of the early church uh, teachings have anything to do with that. It's a very, in my view, a very Western view of how the end times are going to play out. And to be honest, it was made popular by the Left Behind series. How many of you read the Left Behind series? Okay, I'm so sorry to burst your bubble. If you reread it again, you're going to read it in a different light. <laughs> because I, too be- I do believe that it's, it's leading us to this thing that we're going to be able to escape these last seven years. And I don't believe we're going to totally be able to escape all of those. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But it was, again, it was made popular for that. Then there's mid-tribulation, which, as you can guess, would be the midpoint of the last seven years. And they believe that the, the rapture will occur right before the Antichrist invades Israel and does the abomination desolation of the temple. That's mid-trib. And then pre-wrath. Pre-wrath is what I believe the Bible makes pretty clear. And that before the actual trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments are poured out, that Jesus will come back for his church. That the rapture will start the day of the Lord. And I'm going, to talk, I'm going to walk through two scriptures that I believe show that. And I do believe that the church will face persecution. Even more so in the middle of these last seven years, which they'll call the Great Tribulation. But it is cut short at some point in time in which we don't know the day or hour as the Bible teaches us. But if we know we're in the last seven years at some point in time, 
will know that we are in the last seven years based on biblical prophecy. And here's what I find interesting. In these last times, as things occur and as things play out, we actually have the Bible that gives us the prophecies that we can actually share with people. Like, yeah, I, I knew that was coming. What do you mean you knew that was coming? Well, I knew it was coming because the Bible lays out some of these prophetic things. And I think people will begin to listen more and more as they see these things play out. If we can say, hey, we understand what this, thing, this stuff is and what's coming at us. Then the last one is post-trib. Post-tribulation is obviously at the very end. It happens at the end that says that the church would go through the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. And so uh, I'm not going to go through all the different uh, reasons why I, don't, I believe in some and not the other, but I do want you to turn to Matthew 24. I want you to turn to Matthew 20, starting in verse 29. And here's what's interesting. There's a lot of debate on all these things, and if you're really interested, you can, there's so much information out there that you can go look at and go see. But I'll tell you, the key for me, the Olivet Discourse, which we're going to look at a little bit here, and the parallel that Matthew 24 has with Revelation is like, it just blows your mind. I shouldn't say it. It doesn't blow my mind. It's amazing. It's amazing what those two things working together actually show. So it says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. Jesus is going to come back. But when you look at the events that happen in Matthew 24 and in Revelation 6, the, the rapture, you can see clearly, at least from my own point of view, has to happen after the midpoint of the tribulation, after the abomination of desolation of the church, of the, of the temple in Jerusalem. And then he begins to come, then he comes back. And we don't know the exact time or hour. If you want to study this further, I would encourage you to read through Matthew 24. And, and look, I mean, even if you commentate for yourself, everything that's happening in Matthew 24 is all leading up. He's talking about all the things that happened in Revelation. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. The next passage of Scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2. And I might continue this a little bit next week because it goes along with kind of the, the Daniel 70th week. So if you're not getting all this right away, it's okay. So the Thessalonians thought, you know, that they had missed the rapture. All right, they're already talking about when this happened, what's going on. And Paul is teaching them, he says this in verse 1, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1 through 4. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, hallelujah, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come, listen to this, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, he's talking about the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, 
so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And I don't know how you read that and say that Jesus is going to come back before any of that stuff happens. I believe Paul is teaching us that these things must occur, which I believe is the midpoint, which is the desolation, the the rise of the Antichrist, must occur before the rapture happens. Which means, based on the Bible, it says that we will face some persecution. We will face persecution as a church. We will face persecution as Christians. And church, we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready for that. I began talking about last week what that looks like to be ready. So I'm not going to go through, just honestly, for the sake of time, I know I'm not supposed to look at the clock, but i got a lot more I want to share that I believe is more important this morning. There are a lot of issues, I believe, with the pre-tribulation teaching, and there are some major theologians out there that, that do uh, prescribe to that, to that theory. There's a lot of different problems, and if you're interested in learning more about those, I can send you some links, some videos. Uh, the imminence problem, whether it's the Olivet Discourse problem, whether it's the Revelation problem, whether it's the, uh, the early church problem, there's a lot of problems with it. Too much, in my mind, has to be changed in Scripture to make that work. And so I subscribe to a pre-wrath doctrine of the rapture, which means before those final judgments are poured out, before those trumpets and those bowls are poured out on this earth, and the wrath of God is unleashed, Jesus will come back and take his church. He will come back and take his church. Worship team, if you want to come up here. But here's what I want you to focus on. Say, wow, Pastor Jason, you're a bearer of bad news today. I enjoyed the Left Behind series. I enjoyed the thought that all that stuff that happened in there, maybe I didn't have to go through it. And what I want to encourage you with this morning is this, is God will take us through it. God will see us through it. God will supernaturally take each and every one of you who have called on the name of Jesus through these difficult times. You have the Holy Spirit with you. And I begin to write down, Lord, how do I encourage the church? How do I encourage them with a message of hope? I opened with the rapture is a message of hope, and then I just told you you're going to have to go through a bunch of tribulation and challenges, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, thanks, Pastor Jason. Let me go home and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. But I want to give you some hope this morning. And I started writing some things down. And it's this. This is the time, not for the church to hide, but for the time for the church to grow and to preach and to see miracles and to see healings and to see the lost saved. Now is the time more than ever for the church to rise to the occasion and not to run and hide. This is the time for the gospel to move forth. This is the time to show people what's happening, point them to the Word of God, point them to Jesus Christ to make them their Lord and Savior so that they can be encouraged with hope that in these last days, when Jesus comes back, they will meet with Him in the air and they will be raptured. And I said, what are the takeaways from this message? Number one, we must understand that God is sovereign. God will, make, God will fulfill His Word. 
He will fulfill His Word. And yes, we need to pray. And yes, we need to believe. And yes, we need to confess. But at the end of the day, what He says is going to happen in here is going to happen. So let's just put that aside. This is going to happen. Okay? It's going to happen. So put it aside. You're now informed of the things that are going to happen and when they're going to happen. Just know that God is sovereign. But know this. This is the time for us to use our believer's authority. This is the time for us to bind up those things which need bound. This is the time for us to loose those things that need loosed. This is the time for us to intercede as a church and to pray and to be on our knees and to be a people of repentance. This is the time to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is the time to be attuned to His Word more than ever. The Bible says, and the sheep will know my voice. They will hear me. You need to hear his voice. If you want to navigate these end times, you need to hear his voice. We need to be, this is the third one. We need to be the light in dark places. We need to be the city on the hill. We need to be seeing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to see that great harvest that we were talking about coming. I believe there's a great harvest before Jesus comes back. It's not going to be imminent just whenever. There's going to be a great harvest. His will is that none shall perish. No one shall die and not knowing him. That's his will. That's what he wants, but he needs us, the church, to get in action. He needs us to start moving, to start talking, to start praying, to start preaching, to start using our talents. That's what he wants in these end times. Not to be focused on the problems that are coming, but to be focused on the opportunities that are right in front of us. The opportunities that are right in front of us. Yes, we need to prepare. The fourth one, we have to prepare and get ready. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. But are you connected to somebody right now in this church? We prayed this morning, the vertical connection with God and the horizontal connection. And I think even Liz said something about it. Are you connected with someone or are you by yourself? Because alone is a lie. Alone is not good. You need to be connected with the body of Christ. You think we can navigate these times on our own? No. He puts us together as the church, as the body of Christ. I'm not saying you absolutely have to be in one of the small groups that were listed, but you need to have connections in this church. When the crazy stuff happens and the proverbial, you know what, hits the fan and you're not sure what's going on, do you have that person to call? Do you know who that is? Are you connected with someone who can pray with you? Who can come over to your house and say, man, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I need help. This is a time for us to be doing it together, not alone. And number five, I'm not saying it's the most important thing, but it's up there. We have to stand on his word. Church, you have to stand on his word. You want to navigate these difficult times in front of us and you're not reading this Bible? I don't know what to tell you. I'm so, I don't even, I, as a pastor, I can't, I don't, I have no words to help you with that. Because the words of encouragement are right here. The words breathed by the Holy Spirit, written by man, are right here. This is what you need, the word of God. How many times do you eat a day? 
You go day after day after day without eating and you're hungry, you're tired. You're laying around, you're sick, you don't feel good. Why do we think we can go day after day after day without putting this food, this bread on the inside of us? This is our lifeline, guys. These promises that are in here don't become null and void because things are getting difficult. They don't become null and void. We can stand on those same promises. We stand on those same promises that we do not have to worry. We do not have to fret. We do not have to be afraid. God is with us. God is for us. He is working for us. We can be more than conquerors. In church, we need to be watching our confession. We need to be watching what we're speaking. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. As these things begin to play out, and you begin to speak death, destruction, poverty, I'm telling you what, you'll begin to see that in your life. Church, we have to be so careful with what we say and the words that come out of our mouth. We need to be speaking life. We need to be speaking healing. We need to be speaking just an absolute restoration of relationships. That he will provide for every need. What does it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You don't have to worry about will you have enough food because he promises that he will feed you. He promises it. It's in the word. Stand on it. Stand on it. And so this morning, as I was looking at my five points, I said, oh my gosh, I just wrote the song Waymaker. But somebody already wrote it. And so I texted the team. I was like, I know it's like 45 minutes before service. Can I add a song at the end? Can we all stand together and begin to sing Waymaker together? Because what? He is the Waymaker. He is the promise keeper. He is the miracle worker. He's the light of the darkness. He is everything. So let's worship him this morning. Come on, church. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the Waymaker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When I was pregnant with Maggie May, I was standing over here. Maggie May is our eighth child, and she's the only one that was a surprise. And um, I was pregnant, and the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me during worship, and this is what I heard. I heard, this child will suffer much for my name, but not unto death and not unto turning away. Wait, what? Okay, no, that wasn't. That couldn't have been the Lord. That had to have been, no. He had never, he has never spoken a word to me like that before. It's always encouragement. It's always the word. It was a heavy word. And I, I, I hid it away in my heart. Um, and on yesterday I was reading in Luke and it said, Mary hid these things in her heart. And he confirmed that word over and over to me throughout the years. And I had the opportunity to pray with um, LCA parents on Thursday mornings, or some Thursday morning. And um, I said to these moms, I was encouraging them about what 
is in store for us and for our children and for our children's children. And I said, but if, if my child could choose a path of blessing and prosperity and ease, be guaranteed life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, but be lukewarm and comfortable Christian and, and, and risk being spit out, risk the fires of hell, or would I have my child choose the path of purpose and life, which may have suffering, which may have trial and tribulation and sword, but her God will never leave her or forsake her. I will choose that path every single time because his promises are yes and amen. He is God and he doesn't change. He is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He doesn't change and he does not forsake his children. His children do not beg for bread. So go forth today rejoicing. Rejoicing that we have been given a life that we get to lay down for him as he laid down for us. And every step will be a step of victory, of promises. He is way maker. And he leads us into the path of salvation. We are established in righteousness. So guys, this is how we're going to close. Uh, we're going to have some prayer teams up here. If you need prayer for anything in your life, whether it be healing, relationship, whatever, there'll be teams up here. If you're that person or people who felt that calling earlier about making Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, I can meet you right here, right down here after service. I'll be here to talk and pray with you. And we'll do that business with the Lord this morning. Amen? But before we do that, I want to give this benediction to you guys. You just want to close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort in which we ourselves are comforted by God. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Father, we just go out with a mission, with a passion, seeing this time as an opportunity, not as a problem. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that your church will grow, that lives, the lost will become saved, the sick will be healed, lives will be radically transformed, families will thrive, and Father, that we as the church will be the light in the darkness because of who you are in our lives. We thank you for all these things. In your precious name, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Again, if you need prayer, come up here.